everybody. Welcome to another edition of The Lighter Side of Serial Killers here on the Boom Bastic Media Network. I am your host, Keith Rovere, and I am happy uh, you're here for the ride. Uh, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. And uh, I was going to take the night off tonight, but I thought we had something a little uh, important to share. And I couldn't wait since I'm doing kind of like every two weeks now. I could not wait uh, the extra two weeks. If you follow me, you know, I have been in the news a lot. <laughs> I have done more interviews uh, over the past three days than I think I've done in my entire life. Pretty much every major news organization uh, in our country, and some from overseas, uh, reached out to me. Uh, talk about my friend and yours, the happy face killer, Keith Jesperson, who, as you know, has been on the show, I don't know, 10 times now, I think. Um, you know, he has written other serial killers in the past. Uh, which I always found you know so fascinating, and I'm sure you have also. Um, but he had asked me for the address of, of Rex, the Long Island uh, serial killer, or suspected serial killer, uh, Rex Hurman. And I gave it to him, and as you know, Rex wrote him back. Uh, we, we've talked about that a little bit. And Keith sent me the letter. And we had a conversation, actually right after the, the last podcast I did uh, last week, um, as soon as we wrapped it up, he called me right back. He was going to tell me that he was sending, going to send me the letter. But actually, I had to go to the bathroom. So I like ran. <laughs> I was holding it. So I ran to the bathroom real quick. I missed the call. And uh, he called me last night. We talked about it. Uh, but he sent me the letter. And, and you know, with permission, you know, I posted it online. And, wow, what kind of attention? And I, I get even more attention because he was interviewed, as you know, um, from the police or detectives or whoever from Florida because he identified one of his victims. And they had a body cam footage that Keith said it was okay if they shared or, you know, some of it with the press. Well, the parts that they shared, I think it was about 50-some seconds, almost a minute long. Um, the last part of that, he talked about how he wrote Rex and how Rex wrote him back. And it just coincidental, it was the same day I, I posted the letter online. So it just blew up. I mean, as you know, it still is. Um, I mean, last night, Fox News... Um, they did a piece on it. I'm still getting contacted from you know all the major news sources, and uh, you know, so I've been having my voice is a little scratchier than normal. That's why, been yapping about. Um, but somebody else that Keith had wrote, and we talked about it a little bit on the podcast. If if you've been listening around, if not, go back and listen to all of Keith Jesperson's podcast. He also has written Wayne Adam Ford, you know another serial killer from the past. Um, many documentaries have been made about him. Um, so, you know, check those out to kind of catch up on who Wayne is. Um, but me and Wayne have been talking now for a few months um, and really get along well. And I sent Wayne a copy of my book, The Story of You, about you, Masaki. That's why you, you, Masaki. Um, how brain abnormalities can really alter somebody's reality. Um, and we look at people, you know, who do horrible things and murder and serial murderers. Ah, they're just evil people. No, they've done evil things. And some of them are evil. Don't get me wrong. But a lot of them have brain abnormalities, which I talk about um, constantly, and that's what I write about. And he related so much to Yumasaki because he, like you, also has autism. He's on the spectrum uh, and also has Asperger's, the same thing that basically that you had. Um, so and I thought uh, being just being you know timely you know, with the news and with Keith and also a former pen pal of Keith, and we'll talk about that a little bit, um, I really wanted to get out. Again, this is the lighter side of serial killers. Um, he has a great story to tell, and I think it sounds crazy, and people still can't fathom this, but um, I try to find the good in everything. And I think Wayne has a positive story that I think is going to help a lot of people. Um, who, there are a lot of people who 
obviously you don't know, and I'll talk about too much, but message me privately, um, have the same urges as Wayne has, as Keith has, and the urges you know, to do uh, violent things. Uh, sometimes I put them in touch with Wayne and other people, and um, I thought it was important, and Wayne agreed, uh, to share how he has overcome, so to speak, you know, how you, you can live uh, with these urges um, and with the right help, maybe even overcome some of these urges before you do anything um, that's going to end you up on death row in San Quentin. Um, so I talked to him. I was like, hey, let's try to do something that we can get out right away. He agreed. So last night we had a couple of phone calls, and uh, literally just about 15 minutes ago, we just finished up the last thing. So I'm trying to edit this real quick, uh, or have edited it, um, to do uh, tonight's podcast for this Thursday night. So I thought, again, a timely matter for things. Um, and again, he has such a positive story of change uh, and redemption, if you will, to a degree. Um, so I think we, I wanted to post that tonight in Thanksgiving. And uh, without further ado, <laughs> uh, here you go. Wayne Adam Ford. Um, our mutual truck driving friend, Mr. Happy Face, uh, Keith, uh, your old pen pal, he, uh, he sent a letter to the Long Island guy who just got arrested, that Rex Huerman guy. And then Rex wrote him back. You know, they, he wrote him back. And uh, he, he's, I guess he was, he, they found, a new, not a new victim of Keith's, but uh, they identified her. So he's been back in the press and he mentioned the police had a body cam on him. And they told him with his permission to release some of the tape to the press. He said, yeah. But at the end of it, he said publicly that Rex wrote him back. Well, Keith sent me that letter. So I have the letter myself. I mean, kind of like more keep it for like safekeeping, so to speak. And, um, you know, so I, I, with the, everybody contacted me. Next thing you know, I'm on Inside Edition last night. Every news organization oh, yeah. from, you know, Fox News, all the main ones were calling me, interviewing me. So all last night, I mean, all two nights ago, all yesterday, nothing but interviews. Um, everybody's just fascinated. And it got a lot of eyes on my podcast because they're asking me what I do. And I was mentioned about, you know, I'm a huge advocate for positive reinforcement in prison systems and in general. And that's why I reach out to a lot of people that I do to encouragement, to show love and kindness and not, you know, punish minded, whether no matter what people have done in the past, you know, punishing them is not going to do anything to help them out. Even if they're not getting out of prison, they can still be a blessing to people. And they're like, what are you talking about? Somebody's on death row. You can be a blessing. I'm like, well, I've been friends with David Berkowitz for years. Tex Watson and these these guys, yes, they've done bad things, but they have reached more people for good through their website uh, and through their books. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so uh, uh, the other piece yesterday mm-hmm. is uh, really active in this uh, pursuing uh, the most um, uh, uh, um, media. Attention cases. Yeah. High profile. Oh, yeah. That, uh, that, yeah. Do you remember he what he said? He's very good at it. Oh, yeah. Do you remember what he was saying to you when he was writing to you? Yeah. 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 He was, uh, trying to con- yeah, I do. I, he was trying to convince me that I could, I could get into interstate compact and get over there to uh, Oregon State Penitentiary where everything was, was uh, really nice. <laughs> you know, and, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and and uh, uh, he was telling me how uh, you know everything's going to calm down after a while. And I uh, I was pretty busy when he was writing me. <laughs> I had just I had plenty of problems, you know. 
Was that like when you were when you were first arrested, or was that later on? I I wasn't arrested. I turned myself in. So. Oh, I mean, yeah, but I mean, uh, but that time frame, it was like early on in that. Yeah. yeah okay. I was, as soon as it hit the news, that was it hit the news big too. Oh, oh sure. <laughs> it really, it was a, it was a pretty big. It was, it was international. It was everywhere. Yeah. Uh, it was just the the way it happened. And uh, then I I did some things afterwards that that uh, uh, made it even worse. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Or better, I don't know. Yeah. Depending on who you are. Yeah. But I <laughs> I put a ad, I put an ad in the I put an ad in the wanted section for an attorney. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah. it wasn't when it got to when it got to the newspaper. It wasn't in the wanted section. It was on the front page. Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I got my money for it. Oh, yeah. But now, I saw the... Uh, I didn't get a new I saw the documentary with... Uh, I guess your brother had a big part in it. So, yeah, I mean, I'm assuming some of the, you know, some of the parts were, were true if your brother was talking about it. But how, how important was he in your life? Uh, it seems like you guys were close most of your life, even through, you know, towards the end when things were getting a little crazy for you. No. It seemed like he was always there for you. Never really close. We're all that we had. So, mm, okay. Uh, I was, uh, I was, uh, you know, I, <clears throat> I'm a little brother, so, you know, I'm the guy that he, he never wanted around, to tell you the truth. Ah, uh, okay. Unless uh, he had, no- unless he had nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, it, it, I, he hasn't talked to me for years now. Oh, I didn't know that. I figured you guys would be. Yeah. Again, I just had to go by. Again, this is a, another reason why I do the podcast is, you know, get truth out there. Because if you just listen to a documentary, you think it's true. Where I, I got the impression well, that, that you guys were like thick as thieves and, and he's going to stay with you to the end. And yeah, even though these years. OK. I don't, I don't know what documentary you're talking about. There's been, there's been a few, I guess. If you're talking about the one that that's. Uh, uh, Victoria Redfield did a uh, room zero. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't even know that she talked to him. But there, there are a lot of things that come out that I don't know about. Uh, I really don't look. I really don't look for them. And um, uh, I read the first couple of books written about me. And uh, and uh, Victoria Redfield read uh, wrote one too, but I've never read it. And and um, uh, there's another girl that wrote a book uh, that interviewed my dad and my brother, but uh, about six months to a year ago, yeah, okay. she wanted to interview me, and I said, I said no. <laughs> yeah. Well, most yeah, of them just want to go. Pleasure. Most of them, that's like even with podcasts out there. That's that's why you know. So I mean, it's okay. You can do what you want to do, but most of them, all they do is focus on the negative. Um, and that's all they care about. They don't care about really interviewing you to find out anything about you. Oh, it, it was called, I'm sorry, I Lived with a Killer. That was the name of the TV show that your brother was on. That's what it was called. Um, I think it was um, uh, Rodney. Rodney was his name. That's right. Um, but it, it was done really well. Again, it was mostly from him talking, but, you know, who knows, you know, what, what he was saying, how accurate it was. Not getting into, like... Yeah, well, I... That, uh, that, that show, I think, was... Uh... Uh, Keith Jefferson should really know about that show because, if I'm not mistaken, 
it was his daughter who kind of got that uh, show going. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if she was part of it or not. She had a she had a TV show for a while that she went and interviewed, you know, uh, the guy's like brother or their mother or their daughter, and and, and made a show about that. Uh, who knows? And uh, yeah, she she pretty much has her hands in everything. She tries to get her face out there for in the media. Um, I mean, even uh, she, well, so the so the, uh, the what do you call this? Fruit doesn't fall far from the tree. Yeah. It's the same because she even said, she said to Keith a million times, I'll come to visit you, but only if I can bring a a camera with me in a a documentary crew. He's like, I just want to see you. You know, (laughs) I don't want any of this crap. You know, I just want to see you. Uh, But even with Rex, Rex Huberman, she started a GoFundMe page for his wife right away just to get money, you know, just to get herself in the attention. But she didn't know that his wife just signed a million dollar deal with the Peacock Network to do a documentary about them. She don't need any money right now. Rex's, Rex's, oh, really? Rex's family would be okay. Uh, yeah, it's it's wild. But oh, again, well. yeah. mm-hmm. but it was you like because some of the documentaries yeah. did say that um the documentary I was watching did say you did turn yourself in, and uh, so I figured that part that part was true. Did your brother help you with that, or he was just something? Because he he insinuated that he was the one that made you turn yourself in, but I got the impression that. But no, you you were really struggling with yourself. Listen, I I know I got something going on upstairs that's a little different, and uh, I I, I got to stop. You know, I, I I got that depression from me that that was the reason why you know you turned yourself wow. in. Uh, yours is closer to the truth. Uh-huh. Oh, good. I was in the woods. I was out in the middle of nowhere in the woods. Oh wow! I had moved myself out in, out into the wilderness, and <clears throat> I could survive indefinitely out there, and. Uh, I had enough flies out there with me to not have to do any hunting for at least six months. Oh wow! I was I put myself I put myself out there in a place where uh, getting food was no problem whatsoever. Oh wow! Plenty of plenty of salmon, steelhead, <laughs> squirrels, and all kinds of crap. Wow! Out, everything everything you want was out where I was. Mm-hmm. So it was. One, one step out of uh, out of uh, civilization, but mm-hmm. not so far that I couldn't that I couldn't go back in any time I wanted to. So, sure. <clears throat> but I uh, I read Luke Luke six forty six, which uh, basically says, "Why why do you call me Lord Lord, but not do what I say?" Which makes a lot of sense if you're in the condition that I was in, and. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I uh, realized that not turning myself in was the wrong thing to do, and turning myself in was the right thing to do. And um, <clears throat> regardless of what the consequences were, right and wrong uh, aren't uh, predicated on that, at least not if you read the Bible. <laughs> mm-hmm. You do. Sure. You do, what, you do what's right and wrong, mm-hmm. and, and if you don't believe it, you, you can ask Jonah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the consequences of doing what God tells you to do. Oh, yeah. So, anyway, um, I called my brother up and he, he did drive. Uh, he drove for three and a half hours uh, overnight uh, to be with me because I told him that I said I'm going to turn myself in uh, to the uh, police tonight. Mm-hmm. He wanted to know what for. I said, I'm not going to tell you, but 
but I'll never see the light of day. Yeah. So I want to spend the day with you going around in Eureka and spending some time with you before I turn myself. Ah, uh, okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's the basic story. Yeah. That's good. My last day was with my brother. Yeah. Um, nothing, something else that I, that I read and, and it made sense to a degree. Um, it said in 19, I think it was 1980, you get, when you got hit by a car, if you get hit by a drunk driver, you had a bad head injury. Um, do you think was, was that, cause I, you know, my big thing is obviously from my book is, you know, brain abnormalities and you know, it changes people, you know, sometimes for the worst, you know, and make you have these horrible thoughts. Right. Do you think that's where it was for you where things, you, you know, started thinking a little differently was from that? I think you went into a coma, I think too, right? right. I I think uh, I think it's a cocktail. Uh, <clears throat> you know, it's not one thing, but there's a bunch of contributing factors, and that accident was a big one. Uh, it wasn't realized at the time uh, how how my behavior afterwards uh, was so detrimental to me and others. Uh, but in hindsight, I realized that I had changed a lot after that accident, and in ways that uh, benefited me in the Marine Corps because I was more aggressive. Ah, and okay. uh, I have a whole lot less um, um, hesitation to do things. Mm. Uh, uh, and the, the thing is, is that, that that's exactly what happens to somebody who, who, uh, who has a, uh, a damage done to the uh, frontal lobe and, 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 uh, loses some uh, executive function and ability. Yeah. And so it, it plays right into everything. And um, um, when uh, a year ago I put in for VA uh, uh, benefits, and, um, uh, well, actually, I, I got it about a year ago, but I put in for a few oh, years nice. for that. But uh-huh. the point is that, when they when they looked at it, they rec- they recognized right away that I was a hundred percent disabled. Oh, and it was wow. their fault. Mm. Um, and the reason for that is because I was I was uh, uh, after that accident, uh, they didn't do the things they should have done, and they ended up kicking me out of the Marine Corps because they said that I was a danger to personnel mm. and equipment, and that I could decompensate at any time. Mm. And they said that all attempts to take me off medication failed. Oh wow. well, basically, what they did was they abandoned a patient, mm. and they should have given me a hundred percent disability at that time. Yeah, of course. Continued my medical care, oh. and if they would have done that, if they would have done that, things would have been a lot different. I wouldn't be here, mm-hmm. and some people wouldn't be dead. Yeah. So, uh, so uh, the uh, the fact that that had something to do with it. Uh, is absolutely true, but there's there's a lot of other things that that contributed to it. Yeah. So it's not mm-hmm. like everybody everybody who gets in a in an accident who has frontal lobe damage is going to become a dangerous criminal. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of other there's a lot of other factors. Sure. Way into there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The funny thing is, the funny thing is that <clears throat> I recognize uh, the behavior in people. Uh, and when they come up with a story about someone who, who, uh, does a mass murder, uh, I can almost tell you now, uh, everything that's going to come up in the news later, uh, mm-hmm. before it comes up. Oh, wow. Because there are some things 
there are some things that have just become so obvious about people who are in the wrong state of mind mm-hmm. that becomes dangerous. Um, and those are the only those are only because they're they're make international and national news. Mm-hmm. A lot of behavior that is destructive uh, that doesn't make the news is uh, is also uh, caused by some combinations of uh, injury and um, and um, uh, childhood neglect oh, yeah. the right uh, mm-hmm. the right mind um, we're not born with uh, fully formed brains uh, there are things that brains need to grow mm-hmm. in the right way yeah, and definitely. if you live in a civilized society um, we're not born tame and so to, to, to think that someone who's Acting in an untamed way uh, is completely responsible for that. Is mm-hmm. just wrong. Yeah. Uh, if they've never been tamed, they're still an animal. And, uh, <laughs> that's not necessarily mm-hmm. their fault. Of course, uh, of course. So, so there is a lot more reasoning that should go into this uh, punishment. Yeah. Um, uh, more punishment on a person who's been punished as a child who grows up to be a person who hurts who hurts other people. It doesn't help anybody. Yeah. At yeah. all. Yeah. Now, to, to, to learn from them would be the best thing you could do for them mm-hmm. and anybody else. And there's no sense, there's no sense of them hanging them up by their toes in some dark place and, and, and feeding them crap. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's inhumane. Uh, these people should live out their lives in a, um, in a more humane way. Yeah. Uh, and punishing them through crappy food or, or, <laughs> You know, all the kind of ways yeah. they punish uh, is that's inhumane, hundred percent, and it's uncivilized. It's, it's uncivilized. Yeah. It just is. And when they try to kill somebody, kill them, get it over with. Yeah. Now do it like China does. Yeah. They, they, <laughs> they only take a few days to do it. They shoot you in the head, and then they send your family the bill to the to the yeah, uh, it's horrible. <laughs> And obviously, you you, know, you uh and it, you obviously you read my book. That's the biggest. And loudest thing I shout is, you know, positive reinforcement, you know, especially in prison systems themselves. And you just kind of made my point where, um, let me say, let me ask you this, what has been the most beneficial thing for you? Um, especially in California, California's getting a little bit better about positive reinforcement to a degree. Um, but you, I mean, what has helped you the most there? Um, again, for a sound mind. Let me me make this, let let me make, let me make this a short story, although it's not, uh, I got involved with good doctors. There's, there's no, nothing more important than good doctors who actually care about their patients. So, my, uh, my doctor, Dr. Berger, been with me for about 10 years. Uh, and he's, he's kind of in charge of everything now. But, um, I, I was talking to him a couple of days ago and he said he's learned as much from me than, <laughs> I've learned from him. Wow. It's uh, been a mutually beneficial relationship. Mm-hmm. And if it wasn't for him, I'd already be dead. Wow. Uh, and I'm only here in this, I'm only mm-hmm. in this hospital right now because I don't want to let a guy down and some other people down mm-hmm. that have worked with me for over a decade, you know, and then sure. uh, have it all be for naught, you know? Yes. Oh, uh, yeah. He's working on right now maybe getting together with law enforcement and other medical professionals and making me part of a, 
a system of help. So wow, that's if amazing. That works out. That'll be great. Oh, of course. Yeah, that'll be great. If that happens. I mean, that's one so of the... everybody. Everybody, everybody in charge of everything now has been my doctor at one time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I know all these. I know all these people that are making the rules and and uh, calling the shots. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I get along with all of them, which is, um, is uh, a godsend for me. Oh, I'm sure. I would have given up a long time ago. I would have given up a long time ago, but for people people who really actually care. And I'm not telling you. <laughs> I'm not telling you they're all like that. Yes, <laughs> they're not. Mm-hmm. So I've been very fortunate. Uh, Todd has blessed me with people who who uh, are interested in uh, the well-being of other people. Yeah, it's wonderful to hear. And uh, another reason I wanted to you know talk to you about this specifically is I know people, um, not just you know a friend that I got you involved with, but people who listen to me and watch, listen to me online, listen to the podcast. I know there's people who struggle just like you're struggling. They're out there. I mean, they send me private messages. Like I know what they're thinking. I know what they want to do, but they're restraining themselves for committing crimes. What would you say to that person? Right. Cause they are listening. I mean, they listen to my show. They listen to what I write and when, you know, what I, what I put out there, what would you say to them? Like, how would they get help? Cause they're afraid, Hey, it's going to knock on the, you know, the door of the police station. Like, Hey, I'm thinking of doing this. I need help. And well, what, what can they do? I mean, yeah. what would be, what helped you yeah. specifically? And, and what would you tell them to, to talk to or where to go? You know, first of all, I have to really think about that a lot because, uh, I have run into, uh, uh medical professionals that have done more harm than good. So uh, mm. you can't, you can't just out of the, uh, you can't just think that because they're a, a psychiatrist or psychologist that they're gonna, they're gonna help you. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, because the opposite happens a lot too. So yeah. Wow. You, you, um, you would have to, you would have to put your faith in someone who, who knows, uh, that other, you know, that knows the doctor. So mm-hmm. I, I've never really thought about this angle before. Yeah. Uh, I'll really have to put some thought into it because if I'm gonna I'm gonna make a statement that might affect people, uh, I'd like it to be uh, one that's memorable and <laughs> and actually helpful rather than something that's just uh forgotten or mm-hmm. misinterpreted. So I will put yeah. some energy into coming up with something sure. to say to people in that in that in that light light, you know. It is pretty important. Uh, mm-hmm. if you haven't noticed a lot of the kids that shoot Shoot up high schools and stuff like that, or uh, shoot to the, the school shooting. Um, uh, their parents and their people around them have been well aware of their problem. The, the problem is, yep. the professionals don't know what to do. Yeah, that's, <laughs> so that's, exactly. That's, that's, that's the problem. And as a matter of fact, this last guy that uh, he wanted to take down a uh, airplane, he was going to shut the engines off. Uh, he, I, I guess you probably remember that story. Mm. Fairly recent. Mm-hmm. You? Yeah. So, anyways, uh, he's he's been under he's been under care of a doctor too. Yeah. So there's there's uh, people are afraid to tell uh, their their bosses at work about that kind of thing because they lose their job. So yeah. there's uh, there's a conundrum going on, and um, uh, maybe everybody should get. Uh, uh, maybe everybody should get mental health on a regular basis 
Mm-hmm. That way, that way they can't yeah. say anybody who doesn't. <laughs> yeah. It's got a problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. 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 Maybe, yeah. Maybe you should, maybe you should get it with your driver's license. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> maybe now that I think about that, you really should get it with a driver's license. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh yeah. 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 I think something really important that you said, um, and it's the simplest thing that we can do and something that I've been saying and doing for you know, the last 30 years of my life, you know, in prison outreach and rehabilitation and aftercare is kind, simple kindness and love. Let somebody know that you care. Yeah. Listen to them as a friend. Yeah. You're probably not going to give expert advice and, you know, doctorate advice, but you know, I don't, I, well, granted I do a lot of reading and I write on some of the topics that are a little deeper, but on the basic level, I'm just showing kindness, love and compassion to people. I always get a lot of flack. I may not have agree- What's that? I may not have agreed. I may not have agreed with you on that mm-hmm. uh, years ago, but I, I, I do now. I, I've learned it. True. Mm. I, I did want to mention something. Mm-hmm. The doctor, the psychologist that I have that read the book, uh, uh, the story of you. Um, she spent decades, if I'm not mistaken, um, working in the field. With a traumatic brain injury, uh, so she actually—I'm going to have—I'm going to have to pick her brain about that um, in, in our future meetings. And um, it's—it's uh, it's actually it's actually part—it's uh, really part of the the uh, story of many many people uh, since um, since. Um, the NFL and the mm. uh, war in the Middle East, uh, TBI has become really front and center to uh, uh, mental health and yeah. suicide and uh, all those kind of things. They've finally linked uh, all that stuff together in a way that should that should change the perspective of uh, of law enforcement and punishment and uh, mental health treatment. And I think it, I think it really is. I think it's, I think it's taken the turn to that, that direction. As you know, San Quentin is, uh, is trying to make a more uh, Northern European style uh, prison system starting with uh, this place. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they are, t- <laughs> they are taking, they are taking all their, uh, their best, uh, subject matter and moving them other places. <laughs> so, it's kind of backwards when I think about it. Yeah. But I'm, I'm working, I'm working on working with them. That's good. Uh, maybe staying here and, and doing that. Oh, wow. Good. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, well, I'm, I, somebody's got to do it. Yeah. And I have nothing else to do. <laughs> I have to have a reason to live. Yeah. And I, I really, I really, I'm a rather that I just die, but so far God won't do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess he has bigger, bigger plans for you. I mean, that's, I mean, I think that's, that's, uh, yes, but, that's a, you know, also a wonderful thing that you're doing too. If you help out and I mean, that's the only way I mean, you got to think, wasn't that that many years ago where, you know, people who were like schizophrenic, I mean, they thought they were demon possessed and that was it, you know, that was all, right. you know, or bloodletting. Oh, let's, let's just right. bleed them out. And you know, it's, it's, but the more people like yourself, give up the knowledge and let people, you know, poke and prod, so to speak, but for the benefit of, you know, um, the human race, 
you know, we now know so much more brain imaging and, and what part of the yeah. brains are, you know, it's, we learn so much more, but from, from people like you who are stepping up and doing that. Are we, we're not that far away from uh, the Kennedy family uh, having one of their sisters put in the, the Santa Claus yeah. and having a frontal lobotomy. Yeah, you're right. That was, that was just, you know, that's my lifetime. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, we're a long way from that, I hope. Uh, <laughs> <now>. <laughs> yeah. You know? Oh, no. Yeah, don't you let know? them ask you to do that. Yeah. If they ask you that, you know, say no, <laughs> for sure. No, no. <laughs> not, not, right, not right now. Yeah. <laughs> No, but it's yeah. true though. The, the more research, Can you do that one? yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, no, I was going to. More research. Yeah, it's okay. I mean, not even that long ago, you know, for a man to even talk about his feelings was like, you don't do that. Men don't talk about their feelings. Let yeah. alone when you have you know deeper issues yeah. and like real, real, legit medical issues. But they didn't talk about. It. Now that not only they're talking about them. They're getting MRIs of the brain done. We're able to see what parts of the brain, okay, this part isn't functioning right or from a head injury. And because it's not functioning right, right. X, Y, and Z is happening. You know, They wouldn't normally have done this right. or, or a tumor's growing up. And right. there's one case where you probably read in the yeah. book where the guy turned into a pedophile. He's like, I'm not a pedophile. What the hell's going on? And then the tumor was removed and he's back to normal. You know, so it really is going against right. their, a lot of this goes against your free will. Like you don't want to do it. It's not who you are, but. It's uncontrollable urges, and it's it's it's. We need to study more. You now we definitely need to bring awareness to more about oh, yeah. more about well, this. I mean, yeah, look at teenagers. You know, we all go through that. But uh, hey, one thing's on your mind if you're a male. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh huh. No doubt about it. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, only only about every twenty seconds. <laughs> yeah. And so some of it doesn't go away. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That's another thing I know. Yeah. Age doesn't cure that problem. No, 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 you know? not, not at all. And if it starts doing, you can take a not, pill. Not, if it starts going away, you take a yeah, pill and well, it's right back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know whose bad idea that was. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah. they're rich. Like you, they're like rich now. Need, <laughs> like you need more. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, yeah, like you need more. You need more horny guys yeah. around. And <laughs> yeah. Plus, we all we all know the truth about that. Yeah. Get ugly wives. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> that means. Oh, that's great. <clears throat> no, no. I, I know that was mean. No, it's just funny. We're just having fun. Now, for yourself, yeah. um, can you at least the best you can? Can you describe, you know, kind of what was going on inside your thoughts and mind? You know, not the crimes themselves before that. I don't want to get into all that stuff. But what were like, oh. what was like your thoughts? Like when you realize something, well, I don't think these thoughts are normal. I mean, do you just think it was your reality or do you realize I wasn't thinking like this before, but now these thoughts are, are getting stronger and stronger? Was there like a definitive time, you know, mentioning after car accident and everything else? No. Or was this just your reality? This is not. This is- this is not, it's not how mine happened. I think it's very, I think it'd be very instructive to hear about it. Mm-hmm. It's not a short, it's certainly not a short uh, discussion about it. Oh, yeah, take the your time. The thing was is that um, I was under a humongous amount of stress. And um, 
life, life was hard for me anyway because of the fact that I couldn't get along with other people. So I had to constantly shift jobs. And I learned, I learned to quit a job before I burned all the bridges. So I learned to have two jobs all the time so I could quit one and then, uh, I'd have one and then I'd go get another one. So I swapped jobs a lot because of my inability to, um, to maintain the type of uh, normal uh, character traits that normal people maintain. Uh, this is because without knowing it, I was bipolar, <clears throat> which was a symptom of probably the head injury and being uh, having Asperger's. So for me, it's a whole cocktail. And um, uh, I had a couple of events in my life that I was overwhelmed by the emotion of it. And having Asperger's or autism, um, you don't you don't have control of your emotions like normal people do because you don't use them that much. So they're kind of in the background, mm-hmm. kind of like a little tiny weak muscle Oh, really yeah. never gets any exercise. So <laughs> Good what happens is, is uh, so what happens is the same thing that happened to you. Uh, once his emotions uh, take over, uh, he can't even control them. He doesn't have the strength to overpower the uh, the, the uh, uh, physical uh, uh, urges put on by hormones and and um, whatnot. So. <clears throat> So when you get under pressure like that, uh, uh, and have to live that way, that's bad enough. But if you get under uh, an extreme amount of pressure, uh, like I I was twice, um, where my marriage has ended, um, I didn't know how to handle it. And the last one involved a boy, a little uh, my baby uh, boy Max, mm-hmm. and. Uh, and the fact that his his parents weren't going to stay together, and that he wasn't going to have the, the advantages of having both parents, just drove me nuts. And she was such a uh, um, well, she was just a hedonist. So she loved drugs and sex. Mm. She loved to party, mm-hmm. and uh, she didn't really care about the kids. And the proof in that was that uh, Max ended up uh, homeless. On drugs in Las Vegas uh, when he was 18. Mm. Although it might have it might have started earlier than that because I I can't get his history. I can't I still can't figure out what happened to him. But the point is, is that I couldn't accept that, and I became I became where I just uh, I, uh, I I just wanted to I wanted to um, harm her mm-hmm. in the worst way, sure. but I couldn't because that's his mother. Yeah. So, the dilemma drove, drove me insane, and um, I started working myself basically to death. Uh, I couldn't sleep, so I would I would um, drink myself to sleep, and I and I couldn't stay awake, so I would drink caffeine to stay awake. All the time, I'm driving a, a big rig all oh. around. Oh wow! To the seven, seven, seven Western states. Mm. So rather than coming home, I, I did everything in the world that was very unhealthy for me. Rather than coming home and resting, I never did. Uh, yeah. uh, I never came home. I just stayed in the truck. And rather than being around other people, I, I isolated myself. 
all these things are extremely unhealthy. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I did it. Uh, I did it as long as I could. So I just basically lost my mind. I, I was doing things I didn't know I was doing. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and my, my mental health was so poor that, um, that, um, my, my reality had changed in a way that I wasn't really cognizant of, of what I was or wasn't doing, what, what, um, um, what's right and wrong, really. I mean, so anyway, uh, in about a year's time of, of going through that, I realized that I was, uh, I was causing harm to other people. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I think I already mentioned to you that I, I went out to the, I went out into the wilderness and, uh, uh, after about three days of, uh, of actually getting rest, I, uh, I was reading the Bible in Luke 6 46. It says, uh, why do you call me Lord, Lord, but not do what I say? Uh, at that point, I felt that was pretty strong enough, direct enough, uh, to, uh, take inventory of what God says and what God doesn't say, what's right and wrong. And regardless of uh, the outcome to me, I needed to bring this whole thing out into the light and not live in the darkness and, and make more, uh, uh you know, make things worse than they were. Yeah. It's going to get worse for me. Mm-hmm. I, it was going to be, it was going to be stopped and, uh, everything that happened was going to be brought out and, and everybody was going to know. Oh, yeah. It was supposed to, it was supposed to stop the hurting process, you know. It's like one of those things when you, you duck yourself into a hole, the first thing you do is quit digging. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, it- so, uh, you know, so the, the mental health thing was something I've dealt with my whole life. And, and after getting run over by a car on a freeway, um, uh, the pattern of my behavior after that fit the pattern of behavior of people with, uh, head trauma, close, yeah. close, uh, brain injury. Because mm-hmm. so, uh, we've seen it so many times. Uh, mm-hmm. I look back and I see it clearly now, but nobody really knew that much then. You had mentioned, uh, yeah, well, you had mentioned before, one thing I wanted to ask you where, you know, as you returned to yourself and you said your brother was with you and you, you got this right before you did that, you spent a day with him. Um, what were some things you did with your brother? Right, well, I, I, I came out of the woods. I decided I was going to turn myself in and I, uh, I wanted to, I wanted to, uh, spend, uh, that day with my brother and mm-hmm. see the outside for the last time. So. Yeah. Do you remember what, you remember what you did or what do you, what did you want to see? You just wanted to spend yeah, time yeah. with him or you yeah. wanted to actually see some things before you went in? What, what did you, what did you guys do? We spent the day going to the zoo in Eureka, California and I, we went to a movie, but he was getting so nervous about the whole thing. That we didn't finish the movie. Um, we just went to uh, different aunts and uncles' houses when, when we were a kid and stuff like that. Ah, okay, nice. We just, we're just, uh, you know, we, uh, Eureka was, was um, my father's whole family, which is a large family. So we had lived in Eureka and, and uh, traveled to Eureka uh, our whole lives. Okay. Uh, it has always been always been home for me, so uh, 
probably uh, um, uh, yeah, I just wanted to see home one last time. That's nice. Anyways, um, it was. It was nice of him to, to do it for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he drove all night and stayed up, stayed up until uh, he walked into the, the police department. But, um, at, at that point... Um, now, did they know you were coming in? Did, did you call them and say, hey, I'm no. coming in? Or you just kind of show up no. and, hey, it's no. me, you know? <laughs> I just, I just showed up. Oh, okay. I just showed up. They, they, uh, they're liars, and they complain. They say their camera wasn't working, and they say this, and they say that. But uh, it's all to get a conviction, yeah, no matter how they had to do it. I'm sure. <laughs> how hard is it when a guy walks in and turns himself in? <laughs> yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, I said, look, I don't, I don't really want to talk to you guys. I'd like an attorney. <laughs> mm-hmm. Apparently, apparently that doesn't count. Uh, oh no! Because <laughs> they say they say I wasn't under arrest yet. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of horse crap is that? Uh, you know? Yeah. Anyways, hmm. anyways, I asked I asked for an attorney many many times uh, before they finally gave me one, and um, by that time it was too late. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they had already scared me scared me and tortured me into saying everything they wanted to hear. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, by the way, doesn't mean I told them everything that was true. Yeah, that, uh, <laughs> which, which happens when people are tortured. Anyway, yeah. Um, yeah, mention uh, once you point got... about. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I'm gonna say... I said the point about how I. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay, the point about how uh, I. I uh, got slowly but surely healthy mm-hmm. was the fact that I have Asperger's, which uh, most people don't know. And I don't think anybody who doesn't have it or autism can understand it. And even the people who have it have to have the intellectual ability to understand it, too. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, if you have Asperger's, you're on the autism spectrum. You don't understand the emotions, not yours or other people. So, uh, emotions are an invisible, uh, unrecognizable thing in your own head that changes your view of things without you really even knowing it. So, so if you take a person like you, uh, everything he was doing was right. Um, he, he had every right in the world to be mad, <laughs> upset, mm-hmm. except for he doesn't. He didn't have the ability to realize what normal is mm, okay. because he doesn't have a, a, a basic a basic for what feeling normal is. So he's always felt abnormal. So this this anger and this being upset was just um, a normal world for him. He's never he never he never understood his own emotions. He wasn't allowed to feel them. Um, he was, you know, uh, hurt so many times by his parents, his dad, that he stopped feeling him at all. Anyways, the point is, is that that being completely blind to your own emotional state is is something normal for somebody with autism or Asperger's. So mm. I didn't know that I had autism or Asperger's. I didn't know that I had 
I knew something was wrong with me, but I didn't know it was called depression, which is now a secondary cause uh, problem. And it wasn't until it wasn't until I got uh, turned myself in that I took a medication that just changed that. Oh wow! And three months after three months of being on Paxil and a very small dosage, I realized, hey, I haven't been depressed for three months. Really? I've been locked up. I should be depressed. Yeah. I haven't been depressed for three months. Wow. So this was the first. This was the first stage of learning that that that, that um, what what was wrong with me could be dealt with. Mm-hmm. Anyway, over a ten-year period of being locked up in 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 um, uh, a ten or fifteen-year-old period being locked up here with with good doctors, I found out that I'm not just uh, uh, depressive; I'm manic depressive. So mm. I looked back over my history and I realized I don't have a middle ground. I'm either completely stopped and depressed or completely wild and manic. Uh-huh. I don't have a, a middle ground. Yeah. When I over when I look my life. And so this makes this makes for a very hard person to get along with. Yeah. Uh, mm. my my demeanor, my personality, all that stuff is completely different when I'm depressed than it is when I'm manic. You know, <laughs> yeah. so it's hard to get along with a guy like that. It's hard, <laughs> yeah. it's hard for someone not to take that personal. Yeah. You know, hey, what do I do? How come, how come he's acting that way towards me? And, and so you lose the ability to maintain your relationship when you don't even realize yourself that you're swinging, you're swinging left to right and, and uh, acting in other people's eyes, uh, uh, what would you call that? I don't, I'm not sure the word that you would sure. use, but it's just not normal. Yeah. So, so anyway, uh, once I learned that I was both, and we medicated both, and it took years to get the medication right, uh, and uh, I, I became stable, I could start to understand uh what happened, what's going on. And I'm fairly satisfied now that I know. Sure. And um, now that I, I know and I can feel it, I can see it in other people. Uh, I can feel it in other people. Wow. It's, there's a, it's kind of a cool thing about being, uh, being um, autistic or having Asperger's. And that is that uh, I feel things completely aware of them now. And with full knowledge, and uh, I see the, I see the difference between emotion and and um, and logic, and uh, how we have two different, uh, we have two different minds uh, created by our brain, and um, uh, those two minds most of the time they work in concert, but sometimes they just don't. And uh, it's easy for me to see somebody who's really lopsided, and. Um, uh, also easy for me to feel uh, and think what they feel and think. So I can really empathize both intellectually and emotionally. Wow. And I can kind of, I can really kind of see uh, where their mind is in a way that I just don't think is possible for most people. Uh, That's amazing. You have to, you have to, you have to spend the time that I have in absolute concentration and, and, um, and uh, you have to spend as much time as 
I have thinking about it. Mm-hmm. It's not possible for anybody who has to earn a living. You know, yeah, I can imagine. What I've, what I've learned in 25 years couldn't be done under normal circumstances. You have to earn a living and do it at the same time. Yeah. And, and one of the advantages of having Asperger's is that I am highly focused. Mm-hmm. And um, I have... I have models in my head of everything that I love, uh, whether it's uh, uh, the, the human mind or 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 uh, fifty-seven Chevy, yeah. you know, <laughs> two eighty-nine engine. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have models of this stuff in my head. Yeah, you know, they. I I, I have to understand it front and back. You know, mm-hmm. I have to know why uh, why why timing is timing and why why uh, uh, exhaust intake valves work the way they do. <laughs> no, I this I have models for everything, including uh, the universe and and um, and um, uh, quantum physics and 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 uh, a lot of my interests. You can't know people, and you can't know the whole story of people unless you know everything that surrounds it. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> so it's amazing I that I'm, I've had too much. You know, say it's amazing that you went right. from, you know part of the byproduct of, of having that form of autism is you started out by saying in your past, I can't read people's emotions, let alone my own emotions and understand them. Um, maybe even, you know, some people even say facial expressions you can't understand. Now you're at the point where you have like this heightened awareness of people now and you, you can, not only can you sense them, but it's almost like you said, you can empathize. You can almost feel what they're feeling. I mean, that's a drastic change, you know, from, from one degree to another. What? Well, it actually makes perfectly good sense when you think about it mm-hmm. logically. The fact is that I was, I, I didn't understand the emotions and, and most people learn, uh, intuitively to, uh, uh, feel and act in the proper manner with other people. Mm-hmm. Well, for whatever reason, and use another good case of this, um, he, cause he was born that way or his environment, he didn't never learn. Yeah. He was never taught. He didn't learn uh, how to act around other people. So when you realize that you're deficit and you have to you have to do it the other way, you have to do it um, cognizantly rather than mm-hmm. through uh, uh, the automatic system of of uh, intuitive learning. Yeah. Then uh, it's a different story because you have to learn it inside out, and you sure. have to learn it with logic. Yeah, and and uh, you know a lot of people can fix a fix a, uh, an engine in a the car. Um, they can fix a lot of the little things around it, but it's it's easier for a person that understands the entire system to to go at it. And I, when it comes to being a mechanic, I know the entire system. I'm not just working on the battery or the that's amazing carburetor. Or, you know. All makes perfect so, sense. Uh, yeah, that's me. Uh, yeah. And my life makes perfect sense. And I, uh, I live in a logical world. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I do talk to very well educated people who live in the other world, mm-hmm. and uh, they're called uh, liberals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, they may be well educated, but. A lot of times they really don't know much. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they couldn't they couldn't change your own tire if they had to. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, 
they have to have they have to pay somebody to do everything for them. Yeah. You know, uh, they're not self-sufficient human beings. So I, I, uh, I, I pride myself in being um, fairly independent, mm-hmm. but that has been my downfall too. So yeah. <laughs> you, you take away. Yeah. And nothing I feel like I've talked too much. No, 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 no. It's it's just you. It's you're going to be so much of a help to so many people. And uh, another thing I want to cover, if you have time, is the difference between you know prison facilities. Maybe when you were there, it's changed now a little bit, like the negative punishment style of you know prison guards and prison system versus positive reinforcement. You know, I'm sure you probably lived through the both of them. It's, uh, it's heading on the other side of the scale now. I, I think. have, I, I have, I have, and I've watched the growth. I've watched the big change. Mm-hmm. And there's one person responsible. One person responsible for this. Uh, when I when I first got here to San Quentin, uh, the, the guards were very uh, uh, cruel, and uh, they would do things that would make uh, make your mental health a hard thing to do. <laughs> mm. <laughs> and uh, I think calling them assholes is degenerate. Wow. Anyway, not up. Not all of them. Uh-huh. <laughs> there were some. There were some good people that would give you relief from the horse crap. Good. Uh, but uh, uh, no, the prison guards aren't college grads. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> they're not. They're not thick. They're not thick <laughs> because they're right. You know, tall. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I'm not saying they're all stupid people. I'm not saying that they're all bad because they're not. There wasn't some good ones. This place is really, this place is really the hell, and it was, uh, it was uh, 40 years ago. This place is a bloody mess uh, because they they pit other, uh, they pit people against each other. They like to see them fight and all that kind of stuff. Um, and that's what happens when you let uh, knuckleheads uh, put them in charge of human beings. So I watched as they tried to implement a system. With um, uh, classes and, and uh, time for individual uh, one-on-ones with, with doctors and, and uh, medical staff, and uh, and and make group meetings and uh, a lot of individual meetings. And I watched the staff uh, hate that. They were they're losing their authority to people who didn't know what they were doing meaning the doctors. Um, they thought they were smarter than the doctors and that uh, and that uh, mental health is just a bunch of crap. So I actually got I actually got a uh, a doctor who was very helpful to me. He actually he's he's now in charge of all of San Quentin's mental health. <laughs> but he was my doctor when he first got here and uh, wow. uh he did me a lot of good. However, uh, if, if you're if you're a person who's depressed a lot, you don't want to come out of your shell. So mm-hmm. the uh, guards knew that, so they would make it hard on us to go to our meetings. Oh wow! And, stuff. and uh, so they would they would they would keep us in little small cells for hours and make us late to any of our appointments and make it just hell on us to go oh. and, um, uh, because uh, 
because of the doctors that I've had, they fought back and um, and they made some heads roll. And um, uh, and I said, I said for years, I said, hey, I don't want to go. I'm, I, I don't. I don't want to fight you to go to an appointment every time I got to go to one. I just don't want to go. Yeah. <laughs> you know, kiss my ass. Yeah. Leave me alone. <laughs> so uh, then the doctor talked to me and said, well, they say, hey, why don't you go? I'm not putting up with that crap. Mm-hmm. I'd rather just stay myself. Uh, they're doing me more harm than good. <laughs> You're trying to relieve stress. Yeah. Uh, that's not helping. So, anyway, they. They little by little started weeding out the bad apples and um, uh, uh, making it make it. They started taking it serious by uh, firing from their position people who were causing problems. Nice. And so my doctors would always uh, ask me why. They would always question why. And I would say I don't want to tell you. I just don't want to go. <laughs> yeah. But through their efforts, through their efforts. And their strength and uh, determination. Uh, I got to where I went a lot. I still don't like going to group meetings, mm-hmm. and um, I can go to two or three every day if I want. But I try to get, I try to get to as many as one a week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't like group meetings, <laughs> but I go to, I go to three one-on-ones with doctors every week here, and um, we spend an hour or more. Uh, last night I spent a couple hours. With that doctor I told you about, uh, we were talking about um, called theology mm-hmm. and, uh, and the evils of liberalism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so it, it's taken years. The, the brain is is is, uh, is very malleable. They call it a plasticity, mm-hmm. uh, and the problem. The problem that most people don't realize is you can't you can't uh, you can't change the brain um, uh, fast. Most brains got to where they were slowly, and <laughs> and to change them is going to be a slow process. So I, I think it's taken a it's, it's a long term deal, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it's taken taken a lot of years for me to slowly but surely get to where I'm. Uh, I'm not uh, not the same guy I used to be. Yeah, you know? that's wonderful. But I think I'm a better. I think I'm a better guy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not for it's not for mental health uh, and God. Uh, I have to add that. I would have killed somebody else by now. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. but I no longer have those. I no, no longer have that. Oh, that's wonderful. I, I, well, yeah, I can't get. I I can get pretty mad that I I don't let it get to me anymore. I'm more able to to, to weather the pull. But anyway, yeah, that's that's the story, and I'm sticking to it. Yeah, oh, no, that's wonderful. And and he had mentioned that you know I think real important that you were like that, but not anymore. For the people out there, and I know I have people who listen to me because they they send me private messages who are like that right now. It might not be maybe that specific form, uh, autism or Asperger's, but it may be something very similar. Um, what would you say? Because they're listening now. They will definitely listen when I when I put this podcast up. Right. Um, what now? Everybody's going to have a different story, of course, a different past. But in general, um, what would you say to people like that? Where you know, coming from you, who've been there, done that, 
and have overcome it. This, you know, you're the light of the under the tunnel. You're there now. Um, but somebody who's still at the wrong right. end of the wrong end of the tunnel, so to speak, doesn't think there's any hope. Um, what hope would you give them? Um, I mean, I think you already have, but what specifically would you tell somebody like that who's listening now? It's an interesting question. I put some thought to this, and uh, uh, there isn't a really good a good answer. I wish I could I could come up with a really good answer. But first of all, uh, seeking help for mental health is, is absolutely necessary. But the problem is, is um, a lot of people their jobs would be over if they saw help from mental health. <laughs> yeah. So that that's an issue um, uh, for those people who can. They should. For those people who can't, I suggest going, whether you're a member of a church or not, I, I, I would suggest going to a church and talking to, to um, the leaders in the church, elders uh, in a church, because they have spent a lot of time counseling people and, and pretty, much, uh, pretty much the same important stuff they have to say. They've learned uh, the same way uh, people who counsel people the medical profession have learned yeah. you know they have they have the same they have the same kind of experience so even if they aren't the person for the job they probably will know somebody who's, who's uh, a person for the job yeah and point. not not all professionals are are uh, are really uh good bad ones as well as good ones sure. i mean you really got got to find someone who actually takes interest in you and your health uh, it's not there just to, to give you a 45 minutes and yeah. then, you know, I'll, t- I'll talk to you next week. Yeah. You know? That's uh, so true. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, it, it's got to be an emotional connection. Sure. It really does. It has to be a friendship. It has to be a relationship. Um, you know, anybody, anybody could uh, get on the internet and ask a question and get an answer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that doesn't, yeah. That doesn't care. <laughs> that doesn't care. Uh, Mental problems. Yeah. You know, mental problems, for the most part, are 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 taken care of, if not by medication, for a temporary reason. Uh, it's by other people, and the the uh, the amount that we need other people only became uh, apparent to me uh, after I was locked up. Um, uh, and the fact is that uh, uh, we need other people. Yeah, definitely. And, um, other people, uh, uh, just being with other people can can up your health, your mental health, and, and uh, you know, and, and give you a better better perspective. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, that seek out other people is something very important. Uh, there's nothing good about isolating yourself. There really isn't, you know. Definitely. Uh, it's detrimental. It's detrimental to the human being. Uh, but like I say, I if you can't if you can't seek out uh, 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 medical directly mental health uh, for for a variety of reasons, I think any church any church would be a great second option mm-hmm. or even a first. Um, these people are are used to dealing with people, and their hearts usually in it. That doesn't mean all of them them are, but sure, of course. I, I think you have a you have a really good chance at a church of finding someone who can either help you directly or, or send you the right direction. So yeah. that's, that's what I would say. It's not a perfect answer, mm-hmm. but it's the best that I could do. Yeah. 
And I don't think there's necessarily a perfect answer, but I think you've you've already everything you said. I think you're going to give a lot of people hope. Um, I mean, as crazy as it sounds, I mean, you're a success a success story. You know, from somebody you know from some of the lowest points of life, and now not that you know you're living a, a high life, so to speak. Um, but mentally, well, I would recommend you're it, so much. I would re- I would recommend another. I would recommend another path. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a hard rough. It's a hard rough road. No, I would. Have, yeah. I, I would avoid this one if you if you yeah. can. Do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I'm here as a cautionary tale. You know. Yeah. I'm, I'm Jonah. I'm Jonah after getting out of the well belly. <laughs> Yeah, and, and essentially, I mean, it's, it's actually, it's funny you said that, but it's true to sense, but, you know, just how we have stories in the Bible and, and other stories that we can read. Yes, they went through the hard times, but so other people can look back and read it and kind of be blessed by their, by what, how they did wrong, but see what the result is now. You know, it's like, yeah, I've been through it, so you, yeah. so you don't have to. I went through it. I went through the storm, so you don't have to. Um, and, but if you do, well, this is where it's going to end up. You know, if you don't listen, don't pay attention. You know, this is, you're going to be right here, but you're going to be right. the wrong end of the tunnel. <laughs> you know, not the light end. You're going to be the other end. Yeah. Well, I happen to be a Christian. So, uh, that, mm-hmm. that, that probably is the biggest reason really. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, um, I've worked with most people who aren't Christians. Mm-hmm. Um, but my, 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 uh, my belief is growing stronger and, um, and if it wasn't for the sacrifice of Jesus, um, I couldn't expect any. I couldn't expect any kind of uh, of forgiveness. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, sure. there's no other religion that would give you the kind of forgiveness I need. Mm-hmm. But I realized that nobody's nobody's um, uh, sins are greater than the sacrifice that was made. So mm-hmm. that sacrifice was made for me. And anybody else who might think that their sacrifice, that their 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 sins are too too uh, too bad to be forgiven, mm-hmm. they're not. You know, I've had to, I've had a couple of friends in here. I've reminded of of that uh, <clears throat> that <clears throat> that uh, your sins have already been forgiven. Mm-hmm. Someone died for that. Yeah. So uh, <clears throat> for me, that's. Uh, that's uh, a lot of stress off my brain, off my heart, knowing that um, uh, vengeance, vengeance is uh, it's not mine, mm-hmm. and it doesn't belong to my enemies either. Yeah. It actually belongs to God, he says so. So mm-hmm. uh, we have to forgive in our hearts and, and hope that others do too, because yeah. I tell you what, forgiveness, forgiveness does you a lot of good. Yeah. You know? Of course. It, it does the forgiver. It does the forgiver a lot of good. Mm-hmm. Oh, hundred percent. I, uh, yeah, I, I was not raised by really great parents, but I, I understand that they weren't great parents. I understand they were human beings. Yeah. And so I don't hold that against them anymore. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it's, uh, it, it's what was, what they did was their time. But, uh, yeah, somebody, I don't, some, I don't even, the word forgiveness, somebody said, um, and uh, maybe it's true, maybe it's not true, but the, the point still is, is true. Where the word comes from, the the word forgiveness comes from untying something, and the point of it is, if you're not, if you haven't forgive somebody who has done you wrong, it's like you're tied to them. It's like the act of untying a horse, a horse from a pole. I think where the word came from. So if you don't forgive them, you're tied to that person like a horse is tied to the pole, 
And until you do, you're always going to be tied mentally. You're, that's always to be connected to that and always have negative thoughts. So it does do you good too right. by forgiving somebody, even outside of the religious aspect of it. Yeah, it's still good for you. Yeah, you know, <laughs> more beneficial oh, for, for, for sure. Yep. Once you once you really put some thought to it, and you think, wait a minute, these people that I'm hating on are probably having a good time right now, and I'm yeah. sitting here screaming <laughs> over something they're not even thinking about. Oh, exactly. So who's, who's paying? Who's paying for that that uh, non forgiveness? Yeah. You know, it does more for the forgiver than it, than it does, for, you know. Uh, so, anyways, uh, you're right. And uh, it even goes, yeah. And when yeah. people hear that story, I to this day I remember there was a murder that took place, and I don't know if it was an Amish community or where it was, but it was an Amish family whose son or daughter got murdered. And like by the by the end of that day, or the, when when the news cameras were there, the first thing that they said was, "We forgive them." I mean, I mean, it's you know. It, yeah. it wasn't even 24 hours. and But not just the sake for yeah, they're I, doing I, it, but the sake of who's listening that. to people. Yeah, remember that? Where, but the people who are listening yeah. to this news story, I mean, that has to be an encouragement to them. Wow. You know, what What was it? Obviously, there was their Christian faith, too. But how powerful is that? Oh, yeah. It's like, man, it wasn't even 24 hours, and you're talking about you, you've already forgiven the person, not even knowing their backstory or anything. Just, uh, we forgive them. Yeah. You know? And I was like, wow, that's yeah, they're, powerful. They're, they're, those are people who live in faith. Yeah. They're kind of rare. Yeah. But I yeah, guarantee yeah. you they'll be in heaven. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. Not my, it's not my uh, decision, but mm-hmm. it sure looks, sure looks good to me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. I was going to say something else, but I've said too much. I think we, we covered, yeah, I think we, we, we covered everything we need to cover as far as positive thinking, you know, changing your life. I think it's going to be, um, a, 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 just a blessing to anybody who's listening, you know, a positive change, not just from the positive reinforcement, but there is help, you know, mental awareness is always is at the front of everybody's mind now, but very few people like yourself are stepping up and saying, Hey, I struggled tremendously with this before. And but now here I'm on the other side and I want to talk about it. And like, you know, there is hope for you. You know, you don't, don't talk to somebody yeah. again, whether it's your priest, whether it's your pastor, whether it is a doctor, you know, and but you, you made such a strong point of, yeah, some people might lose their jobs over this, but yeah, but Hey, go to a pastor, go to somebody in private, but do something, you know, go somewhere, but there is yeah. hope there. Yeah. There definitely is. Yeah. There's, there's help out there. Yeah. Well, if you've reached that point where you meet someone from outside your family and whatnot, which of course that is the top of family, <laughs> mm-hmm. but we've been tearing the family up in this country for a long time. Yeah. But yeah, I speaking professional health is it's the way to go. And if you can't do that, uh, uh, people uh, who are uh, uh, church elders are professionals also, mm-hmm. and um, I think I think they can give you they can certainly give you some good uh, direction. Definitely. I'm sure driving a truck was a more of a isolation to you, you know, more time with your own thoughts. Uh, I can't imagine that was making things better. It's a very isolating job. And uh, without, without realizing it, it can, it can do a lot to your, your um, mental health, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's something that I struggle with myself where uh, I'm as about as antisocial as they come, which people don't realize. Like I'm an introvert and people have no idea because when they see me in public, 
Uh, I'm like life at a party. I joke around. I do magic tricks. I play guitar. I have my podcast and I'm always, you know, upbeat. But inside, I just want to go home. You know, if I'm around people, I just want to go home. Like my happy place is home, quiet, away from everybody. Unless I'm in a relationship with somebody, then it's like me and them. But I got to force myself to go out because I know it's not healthy for me. Yeah. And it's hard to do because I'm yeah. the whole time I'm completely uncomfortable. I don't <laughs> people aggravate me. Yeah. They frustrate me. I have no patience whatsoever. I don't want to be there. I, I just but I got to do it. I, I force myself to go out. So I know it's healthier for me to be in relationships, to be friends you know, in, in uh, friendly wise. But I, it, it's hard. I have. I absolutely feel you, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really do. You know, you think a guy spent as much time alone as I have would look look forward to being with people. But I don't go to groups. I just don't mm-hmm. like them. I hear uh, you. I'm a one on one kind of I'm a one on one kind of guy. I, yeah. I'm not into you know not that I can't if I I've been a karaoke DJ for years. Yeah, right. I was also <laughs> That's a, awesome. uh I was also I was also a um uh a Marine who instructed other Marines for, for yeah. six years. Mm-hmm. I was always up in the on the DS given uh classes mm-hmm. so it's not that i can't if i want to yeah, yeah. i just rather not i know <laughs> it's weird how that works like and i'd rather be with, yeah i'd rather be with my dog anyway oh uh, you, you hit the nail on the head that that's like yeah i, I swear i love dogs more than people i swear you know <laughs> it's the way it is oh, they're, they're better people than people are we can, we can, <laughs> I, Dr. People too. I joke about it. We can learn, aside from Jesus, we can learn more about unconditional love from a dog than any human. Oh. Maybe Gandhi. Maybe we'll throw Gandhi in there too. But aside from a very few people, dogs know more my, about unconditional my love. Last, my, my last dog was a Samoyan husband. Oh. Beautiful, loving dog. Oh, that's wonderful. Look. We'll talk to you later, Steve. All right. Definitely. I'll, I'll email you later on tonight. Okay. Hey, uh, after Thanksgiving. You too, brother. Thank you so much for your kindness. Okay. <laughs> well, there you go. My Thanksgiving conversation with uh, Wayne Adam Ford. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. But most importantly, I hope anybody's listening who is struggling, um, you go get the help that you need. Uh, don't bottle it in. And, and from my experience and you know, whether on the far end of the scale being a serial killer or somebody's just struggling with, you know, horrible negative thoughts, most are introverted. Most are like me where when you go through something, you want to go through it alone. You feel better. You're just an introverted person. And I know antisocial could mean, you know, it doesn't mean you're psychotic. It just means you're more comfortable being alone than around people. But the usually the hardest thing to do is to be around people, especially if you need help. Um it's a hard step to make, but look, and if you don't know the story of Wayne Adam Ford, um, watch a documentary, um, and you'll see, I'm certain there's always facts that aren't true, um, here and there, but uh, most of it is, and you'll, you'll see what he did and the mutilation of the bodies that he did. And what I didn't ask him, uh, if you go, uh, watch a documentary when he turned himself in, the police didn't believe it was him. Now, he's mutilated some bodies and things. And, uh, to prove that it was him, he pulled out a woman's breast from his pocket and that he cut off. So that tells you the mental state that he was in, you know, at that dark end of the tunnel where maybe he didn't see any light. But now not only does he see light, he wants to help other people. So he's aware of what he did, um, and he wants to help other people. 
Um, and certainly that's what my platform is for. Uh, again, this is why it's called a prime example of why this is called the lighter side of serial killers. Um, it's not a program where we always get into the blood and guts of everything. Well, we do. I mean, like Keith Jesperson and a few others, you know, they go into detail of the crimes. And uh, Yumasaki, uh, from my book, The Story of You, which he was mentioning, um, you know, we get into a little bit of that. But it's a lighter side. You know, it's meant to show who they are as a person, of a human being, not just some evil boogeyman monster, um, and how the prison system has failed them nine times out of ten, especially those who are getting out. Um, but here, again, is a prime example of positive reinforcement, not negative. You know, you can throw somebody in the hole, make them more isolated, leave them alone with their mind and, and horrible thoughts um, 99% of the day. Uh, it's not going to work. But from his own story, the positive reinforcement, and uh, it doesn't matter what side of the political fence you are on, whether you're on the far left side, the far right side, um, you have to admit the facts are facts. I mean, I understand if you are a victim of a violent offender or a family member, you might not want to hear this, and that's certainly understandable. I mean, you ought to punish them, kill them. I get it, you know. Uh, But again, my argument is, a prime example in Wayne and, and numerous other people that we talk to, positive reinforcement works, and California's doing the right thing, Oregon's doing the right thing, North Dakota's doing the right thing. Following that that um, Norway prison system of positive reinforcement does work. Here's another example of it. Um, and slowly but surely, the rest of the world is seeing it, and I'm certainly going to continue to use my platform to, to showcase that. Um, so again, I hope you enjoyed the episode. Um, again, thanks for everybody who supported me. Um, again, plenty of news stations have been reaching out, so you can find me on uh, everywhere from News Nation to Fox News, from the Independent, and all uh, the DailyMail.com, DailyNews.com, all kind of good places out there. Um, again, promoting positive reinforcement. Uh, so share the podcast, like, subscribe, and all that good fun stuff. Uh, and until next time, see ya. <laughs>